1: So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit gocoastguard.com to learn more.
0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode
2: is brought to you by Daily Harvest, just like my lunch was today. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. They make smoothies and savory meals too. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code a thing or two to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code a thing or two for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. This episode is also brought to you by Nisa. The Nisa team designed their double patented fourth wear underwear with input from OBGYNs, doulas, midwives and dozens of new parents from around the country. Fourth wear is the first underwear specifically designed to hold an ice or heat pack to help you with pain relief and to help soothe tender tissue whether you've had a cesarean or vaginal birth. For 15% off your order, go to nisacare.com and use promo code a or two. That's n y s s a c a r e.com and promo code a or two. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Maser.
0: And I'm Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of A kind, the co-authors of Work Wife. We're just two women who feel so strongly about their relationship that they own the domain, ClaireAndErika.com. Related, head there and sign up for our newsletter, find episode notes, get discount codes, everything. And leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463.
2: They are the highlights of our week, and we are going to play one at the end of this episode. Wow.
0: Wow! 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 I can't. I can't wait to figure out which one we pick. Me too. Oh my gosh! So listen,
2: so one of the things that I w- wanted to talk about that we honestly have not really talked about that yeah. much between the two of us is how we work now.
0: Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. We've, we've really fallen haven't. into this.
2: Like we've fallen into Learned s- something from this. Episode. I think so too. Like I feel like this might be like sitting in on a therapy episode for our listeners. Yeah. Like we're gonna maybe figure some stuff out because. We have fallen into habits and I think we're sort of aware of each other's expectations and habits and schedules and like... Like for the most part. Yeah. But like we
0: still haven't articulated it. Right. We haven't been like, here's what I do and here's what I do and do not
2: expect of you to do in, ter- in kind.
0: Um, so for context, we are working together on all of the projects that we are working on right now. They amount to the better part of a full-time job, but not a full-time job. Is that fair? I feel like they amount to a full-time job, but
2: I also feel like we manage our time differently and I definitely like will do personal tasks in the midst of it and like, you also know. so do people with full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah, you're okay. right. We take we have... Friday afternoons off more yes, or less. Yes, we tend to take Friday yeah. afternoons yeah. off.
0: Well, yeah. and they're not the kind of full-time jobs that we had had previously. Um, no. This is not, we're not working 80-hour weeks or attempting to even oh, definitely work not. like 60-hour weeks or something like that.
2: Yeah you're I would say you're right. It's like close to a full-time job but it's maybe like 80 to 90%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um okay so what do you think is core to how we are working together at this point?
2: Well one we it, what you said everything we're working on aside from you know our personal to-dos and administrative stuff i'm not tasks. involved we in your health together. insurance claims at no. all actually exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not involved in those at all you did not um you're aware that i have a dermatology appointment coming up but you am but not going you, you're not coming um, no. and but everything else we're working on together collaboratively and we communicate primarily on slack which really
0: primarily <laughs> super primarily i would say
2: which is completely ridiculous.
0: It's Because uh, it's just two people with one channel. We just use the direct message channel.
2: Yeah, no, we don't use any of the other channels. It's not like we have a team that's chiming in, but it's just a really good chat app is the thing. Like it's it's nice to have everything archived and easily searchable. It's nice for sharing files. I I'm having a serious issue and that I'm not getting my Slack alerts 50% of the time. So if anybody wants to
0: leave us a voicemail telling me how to troubleshoot that, that, that would be great. That has become a serious issue for me too. It's a shared <laughs> serious issue. You're not getting Slack alerts. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think mean, there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it. You've tried. It's not It's not a person. It's nothing you can solve.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, well,
0: it's maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I need to just completely remove Slack from my computer and, and, add and a reinstall. Who knows? It's possible. I mean... I can imagine a day where we had channels again, but for the time being, it is just nice to know that that is our method of communication and that if you and I are going to text each other, it's going to be because there's something urgent or not even urgent, pressing. Of
2: the moment. And we text each other on weekends sometimes if there's like something funny to say or share.
0: Yes. Um, But if there's just like a link to drop or whatever, that's almost always Slack. Exactly. I know if I get a call from you, then it's like actually urgent. I know you called me the other day and I was really concerned. I yeah. don't remember what it was well, about. Because I did get in a habit for a while when I feel like we didn't have a routine of calling mm-hmm. you. Maybe this was for like a week or two of calling you in the mornings to be like, okay, so what's happening? I really liked that. And I don't
2: know. I'm not saying we should restart it because I don't know what, why we would. But in the first couple weeks of quarantine, when everything just felt so insane, it was so nice to just have this call that, yeah, neither of us, we didn't formalize it, but we would just kind of call each other and be like, what do you have going on
0: today? what What's your plan are you working on? Like, yeah, what, yeah are you going to leave the house? <laughs> are you, you know, those sorts of things, right. those sorts of things.
2: It was comforting.
0: We also continue to have full visibility into each other's calendars. Um, mm-hmm. And we both put things like grocery shopping on the calendar, yep. which right now makes sense because it is an, a large activity that one must carve out time for, takes so long. And in some ways, because we
2: have the rest of our days tend to be sort of open, it's helpful to be like, okay, she's not going to be available then. Yeah, it's useful for sure. The other thing that's on there is we have a lot of calls, obviously in Zoom meetings and things like that. We also have a weekly check-in with each other that we do on Mondays. In the afternoons, we like decide the time the day of. We know loosely that it's going to happen. Something that I, we've been doing is saying like, okay, we're going to work on this particular project or brainstorm this particular project and put that on the calendar
0: Yeah, as well. Yeah. We've always had regular... No. We have for a long time had regular check-ins with regular agendas, and we continue to keep that format, although the agenda itself, of course, has changed. And we started adding sections at the top of our agenda that, it, that are... What's happening next week, what's happening next month, and what's happening next quarter. And obviously, the last question of what's happening next quarter is like such nonsense right now. Who knows? I also wonder if it's this way for everybody or if it's specific
2: to sort of the types of projects we're working on right now. But because of quarantine, we're just scheduled so much less far out than we normally yeah. are. And, you know, we're just less busy because we're we're not running around places and certain projects that we would have been working on aren't happening which is not to say you know we're not busy but we're not busy in the same way and so there are times where we look at the week ahead and it's like i don't really know what's happening next week but inevitably that week will get scheduled out over the course of the coming days.
0: Yeah. I am curious how other people are feeling about this. Email yep. us at podcasts at Claire dot com or leave us a voice memo. I mean, it feels like it's rooted, at least for us, just into the general uncertainty about what the future holds. Yeah. That yep. no one's making plans for two weeks from now because what is two weeks from now? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. I love knowing that we have a regular meeting on the calendar and it urges me to not put certain things in Slack or to even not put them on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I just drop them in our agenda document and then have gotten to the habit of bolding things that I know that I want to bring up next time we talk. Yep. And then the other thing that I like that we've gotten to the habit of, which I think we took from, or I think is a habit that I picked up from Making Ideas Happen, mm-hmm. um, which is a book that we both loved, that we end the meeting by going through the action items that we both took away from the meeting of like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow up with this person. I'm going to get that document started. I'm going to reach out to, you know, about this thing. You're going to email this person. You're going to do this. You're going to follow up on that.
2: It's also helpful because while we still have really clear division of roles and labor, it's slightly less clear than it was when we were running of a kind. Like there are certain, there's a little bit more blurring and it's helpful to just be like, wait, which one of us is doing that? Let's be clear on it. Thank you so much to Nisa for sponsoring today's episode. This is a product and a team that I have been following really closely since even before they launched. They launched not all that long after I gave birth to Cameron, and it was a time when I was particularly consumed with this discovery that I had made that there was just a total lack of products and services on the market for postpartum parents. It's something that I can go on about at great length because it's so infuriating. Despite having read plenty about it, I was completely mentally unprepared for what recovery from childbirth actually entailed in my case. And obviously it's different for everybody, but I had the worst pain I'd ever felt, a total lack of mobility, incontinence, and so much stuff in between all of that. I'm gonna try to keep myself from going off on a rant about this, which I can do very easily, but I just, I will make the point that If men regularly experienced this, the market would be totally flooded with products and solutions, most of which would be covered by health insurance. Anyway, (laughs) this is why I'm so grateful to NISA for dedicating their company to women's well-being. And their first product is one that I honestly can't believe hasn't existed before now. The NISA team designed their double-patented fourth-wear underwear with input from OBGYNs, doulas, midwives, and dozens of new parents from around the country. Fourthwear is the first underwear specifically designed to hold an ice or heat pack and to help with pain relief and help soothe tender tissue, whether you've had a cesarean or vaginal birth. Fourthwear features an opening in the front, which essentially allows you to place an ice pack directly inside the garment itself. The pack can go right up against a C section incision site and be held comfortably in place by the strong, supple fabric or slid down into the specially widened gusset. Fourthwear is sustainably made from post consumer recyclables and is designed to change with your body as it adjusts to no longer being pregnant. Nisa believes that we don't have to sacrifice our bodies to have babies and that it's time to take control of postpartum recovery. New parents need empathetically designed products that help them feel comforted and cared for as they transition into a new phase of parenthood. For 15% off your order, go to nisacare.com and use promo code or 2 That's nisacare.com, N-Y-S-S-A-C-A-R-E.com and promo code or 2 One more time, it's n-y-s-s-a-care.com, promo code, a thing or two. One thing I was fascinated by when I was uh, reviewing the notes that we had put together for this episode was that we had both had this transition from digital to-do lists back to paper.
0: Back to paper. It just feels right for me, Claire. I was... You know, I was using the notes app for a while. I still keep a running like personal to do list there. Or if I'm not in a computer or don't have my notebook with me, then I'll just jot something down to transfer over to my notebook later. But I really like having a work notebook where I cross things off and can take notes on the opposite page. It just it feels better.
2: I can't explain why I had to go back to paper, but I'd become... Basically, ever since uh, maternity leave, I'd become really committed to the Reminders app. And I was like, I can't believe I ever used paper for this. This is so much better. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I wasn't sitting at a desk all the time. And so I wanted to be able to easily add things when I wasn't sitting at a desk. But now, if I'm working, 99% of the time I am at my desk. So it just makes sense to have... The paper and then I'm looking at a screen constantly because of this. So I don't want to be looking at a screen more. Um, it's nice to just have something separate.
0: I think I also like that at the end of the day, I like being able to like put the notebook away um, yeah. and close Agreed. the computer and move it off the table. And, and like that feels different than, you know, than what? Than like turning and like exiting the note on my phone. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> The other thing I wanted to talk about was the idea of taking vacation time during quarantine, which I'm sure is going to be something a lot of people are going to be talking about soon.
0: Yes, you and I have just started to, like mm-hmm. wrap our heads around the fact that this is going to be such an issue. And I was talking to a friend yesterday who's been feeling really stressed and anxious, and she basically um, was saying that she kind of like took a half day for herself on Friday. I mean, there you know, and just like decided not to work. And has a job that has sort of more strict hours than than Mm -hmm. you and I have. But I think it's going to be really hard because people do need personal days. People need Mm -hmm. vacation time. There's a reason that those things, you know, are part of our lives. Um, And it feels very hard to like, one, ask for them right now. And two, what would you do with them if you took them? Well, so that I'm interested in because
2: I have noticed since like, I think the first week of quarantine that weekends have felt really like a release to me in a way that they yeah. didn't before quarantine. Yeah. Which is so interesting because it's like spatially they're not that different <laughs> yeah. than yeah. than regular time. But there's something where like I look forward to them so much more. They feel so much more important than they did before. And I'm sure it's a combination of things. One of the things I'm curious about is because we're not scheduling social obligations on the weekends. Is it even more relaxing? Like, is that is there something to take away there that like the fact that we're not overscheduling our weekends means that they're even more productive from a relaxation standpoint?
0: That's interesting. I mean, I do have multiple social obligations this weekend, and I <laughs> am more more like uh, not anxious about it, but just but more, you're like, anticipating like, it, in in a, yes, yeah, in a different like, way than if I had a yeah. totally clear calendar and was just yeah. like, "We'll see. Who knows? Whatever." Right.
2: So, I in that sense, I'm like, I really. I'm excited about the idea of at some point taking a big chunk of time off, a big chunk, you know, a couple of days. So I took yesterday off um, because of a confluence of events. And yesterday was a Wednesday. We're recording on a Thursday. And it was really nice. I liked knowing that I was only coming back to two more days of work. And I was like, I'm intrigued. It made me think about... I had read a post from Joe Holder, the trainer on Instagram. And he said that he always takes Wednesdays off and he works Saturdays because he the concept of a weekend doesn't make sense to him because working five days in a row just feels like too much. It's too overwhelming and breaking it up into two and three day chunks just makes so much more sense to him. And I don't know that I would ultimately ever want to transition to that because the idea of not having a two day weekend feels like a bummer and same as it's just, you want to be off when other people are off. However, as a just bonus day, I do think Wednesday is kind of a nice day oh, to take Oh, yeah. Off. You get two two-day weeks. Yeah. A nice experience. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, at a time when taking time off does
0: not involve traveling, why not just take the Wednesday off? Yeah, no, I get it. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense to me. Hey, should we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming before we bring on our guest? Please. Okay. So you have one to two snack updates to share. I do. Um, The first is about the Daily Crave smoked Gouda lentil chips, a tremendous product, a tremendous food.
2: They're so incredibly delicious. They really, I was thinking about how they've taken the place of Maya Kaimal's chickpea chips, which have been discontinued, unfortunately. They're so good. These lentil chips come in various flavors, but the Gouda is just really superior. And The interesting thing is that this brand has now become ubiquitous pretty much at grocery stores, but the smoked Gouda is always sold out. And it's the new HDVB in my life where I'm like, are they going to have it? And if they have it, how many should I purchase? You know, I know which bodegas have it and which don't. I was even at a random grocery store recently, not in New York City. And it was a super random, like, here's how you know what kind of a grocery store it was. It had an aisle for beverages, and one of the categories of beverages it referenced was new age drinks.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I've been to that
2: grocery. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) They had daily crave lentil chips, but they were also out of smoked Gouda. So that just to me was an indication that there's a national shortage. I think that's true.
0: I think that's 100% true. So how are you solving this problem personally? I buy them on Amazon in cases of eight, and we go through like, at least I would say at least a case a month. That feel two, two bags a week feels right for you. I would be surprised if it was less.
2: Yeah. Um, so I feel good about, I, the first time I purchased it, I felt sort of guilt. I couldn't believe I was buying a pack of eight. And since then I've bought several more packs of eight and I feel (laughs) great about the decision.
0: Our other update has to do with a wonderful brand pretzel perfection, formerly best, uh, Delta snack available to us. No more, no more, no more.
2: Um, They've really stepped it up in this time of global pandemic and they have been donating their perfect pretzel party mix to school districts and food banks um, to help feed kids who aren't getting uh, free lunches at school now. And if you read their Instagram about it, it's a really just inspiring story of the founder like going and negotiating a good rate with Penske Trucks and then with another shipping and logistics company and just really like doing the work and figuring out how do we get loads of pretzel perfection to the people who need it.
0: Um, and, th- so-
2: and everybody
0: needs it, but these people especially. <laughs> That's right. Made me very happy. Okay, now should we bring on our
2: guest? Please, let's bring on our guest.
0: We're bringing on John Genuzzi, who has a new book out called How to Wear Socks, which is something that is more complicated than you might know. And he is also just a man of many, many creative pursuits. Many of them long-term, like decade-long creative pursuits. And we want to get into that with him.
2: Thank you so much to Daily Harvest for sponsoring today's episode. Daily Harvest has been, I would say, a VIP in terms of my quarantine eating program. At this stage in things, I feel like I've come to terms with the fact that somewhere between 80 to 90% of my dinners, I will have cooked myself. The thing that I have not and cannot come to terms with is the idea of cooking or even so much as like preparing lunch anything that really has more than like two steps to it for lunchtime just feels like, wow, I can't believe I'm interrupting my day to do this, which is why I am so thrilled to have these daily harvest bowls in my freezer. You literally just dump them. They come in these cups. You dump them into a bowl. You don't have to add anything. You can add stuff if you want to, but You just then put it in your microwave and zap it. Or, you know, you can heat it on the stovetop if you want. Erica very often will add a fried egg on top. Sometimes I add avocado. They also make smoothies, which are equally as easy. You just dump them in your blender. You add liquid. I oftentimes add almonds to bulk them up a little bit. They make a really good product, and I think especially now when we're all just spending so much time thinking about and preparing food, it is so nice to just not have to think about it and to barely have to prepare it. Daily Harvest works directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak, and then they freeze them within 24 hours to lock in their nutrients. They just make it so much easier to eat more fruits and vegetables. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. They have more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats and they all take just one step to prepare. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code a thing or two to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code a thing or two for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com.
0: John, we're so excited that you're here. Oh my gosh. So excited. So excited. Congratulations to be here. (laughs) And by here, we mean in our own homes, looking at each other on screen. Yes. Yeah. The same
1: 15 square feet that I (laughs) exist in for eight hours a day. And then somehow transforms to my home in the span of one minute when it's all over. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Same. Same. A true joy. (laughs) (laughs) John, you have a new book out like right, right now, how to wear socks this yes, is this is exciting. Are you wearing socks as we speak?
1: Yes, I am, and I'm wow. actually. I mean, I've been wearing socks a lot lately because I haven't really been wearing shoes. But yeah, how to wear socks? It's a complicated issue. <laughs> I mean, I, a joke.
2: <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking though a lot about how I felt like socks have taken on new significance in quarantine. Not only because we're often not wearing shoes, but because you just need something to sort of put a little
0: pep in your step. To, mm. to, brighten up your day. And I feel like a kooky sock has been doing that for me. Totally. Well, I was just reading the thing, the strategist thing, um, about strawberry Crocs. Yes. Um, and how basically they, people just need a little fun and a little lightness. And if yeah. we're walking around with masks on and we can't see each other's faces, I feel like it's going to be crazy glasses and socks and nutty shoes.
1: Yeah. What else can we do? no completely and it's also like i find them like it's so strange to talk about socks this way but like because of this like reality that we're currently in like it's just totally different but like a very like freshly cleaned or like brand new pair of like white tube socks is just like so comforting. Yep. Because you're just like, oh wow, it's like new car smell but for your feet, which you know, <laughs> feet and smells is like a whole different thing, but you You know
2: have a me. favorite brand of plain white tube socks? You just made me want a pair. I don't think I own a pair right now.
1: So there most of the socks I own are actually just plain white tube socks because okay. I never
0: you're a I never really
1: I'm a purist and I also like, I don't need dress socks for work. Mm-hmm. I only need them for special occasions. And I think I bought like a three pack of dress socks from H and M in like legitimate, like probably 2012. And they've just been floating around my apartment. ever <laughs> Um, but for like a good solid tube sock, I really love just like bombas. Okay. Um, because you know, they have that, that like honeycomb support thing mm-hmm. and they last a long time. Um,
2: I'm the only person of my generation who's has yet to try
1: Bombas.
0: Me too. Me too. You the and I. Yeah, just mm-hmm. the two of us. We're on our own little island. What made you write this book? How did this book come about?
1: So this was probably... This was a really rare sort of opportunity for a writer, but it was actually... It was basically commissioned. So a friend of mine had gotten wind that Abrams wanted to publish this book. Um, and they were looking for a writer. And like my name came up in the mix. So the reason I say this is super rare is because of this book opportunity to write it literally just dropped in my lap. And like, you know, it's not like I'm, I was a magazine editor and I write often and, you know, writing has been a big part of my career, but it actually found me versus me like getting out there and pitching it, which I am always forever grateful to like the editor that assigned it to me and like the people that got me in that room. Um, because it's such like a it's such an honor to mm-hmm. like hold you guys know like yeah. to hold a book that you've written and created. Um, it's something that like not many people get to do that so many people want to do, and I can't believe I got to do it. And I can't believe it was about socks. I, I mean, I've loved I love socks. I always have, but like it's such a fun, interesting thing to write about.
2: I was Sock so impressed and, like, with how. Uh, hefty! This book was just in terms of like interesting information and research. There's so
0: much on the history of socks. What was there's a guide to darning, which my yeah. husband is going to be thrilled about because he has like two pairs of socks that he feels very strongly about that he's wanted to darn for some time, and I've been like, just <laughs> to, like calm down.
1: The amount of information and knowledge and you know know how about socks it was crazy. And then you know there's a whole section in the book on like things, other things you can do with socks, which. You know, I'm like, oh, like you think like, oh, sock puppets. And then it's like, oh, no, you can actually like fill a sock with like kitty litter and put it in your car and that will keep your car windows from fogging up for like the rest of your Like there's just so many what? wild. Yeah.
2: Incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I wrote about sock puppets because like.
0: Because <laughs> you're not a I mean, dummy. Everyone's,
1: <laughs> everyone's first alternate use for socks as a child. It's like yep. I am a puppet master. Um, <laughs> It was crazy. I was, you know, the assignment to write a book about how to wear socks when every human on earth basically knows, well, you put one on and then you basically go to the next one and you're sort of done. (laughs) Um, It was daunting. I'm not going to lie, but we worked it out.
2: I do think it's well-timed though, because I feel like we went through this era that lasted a really long time and is still lasting where people prefer a sockless look. And I think that still exists for certain occasions, but...
0: But we're sort of coming down off... We're coming down the other side of that. Yes, yeah,
2: Socks have really come back in a new way in the last couple of years. And um, yeah. it feels like the right time to be thinking about this. And you got some really wonderful style advice from people peppered throughout the book. I believe Jamie Beck said very clearly, like it takes a certain person to pull off socks with sandals and you are not one of them and neither am I.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was she was resolute in that. Yes. Um, <laughs> bold. A bold statement. And, and I agree with her. I mean, I've seen people do the socks with sandals thing and they pull it off. And like there is no amount of for for me, and I think for most people, there's mm-hmm. no amount of money, styling, color, or like ingenuity that can m- make you pull it off. It's sort mm-hmm. of like you either have like the socks with sandals jean or you don't. And it's mm-hmm. so rare. It's probably it's, it's like it's the redhead jeans. Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. That's yeah.
1: exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> you know, in the book there's a chapter on famous socks, and you know, I don't think most people spend their time thinking about what are what are the famous socks of the world? <laughs> but you know, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, she had those like, you yep. know, pale blue um socks with the ruby slippers. And obviously that's like a timeless sort of you know, a moment in like cinema history and style. But, um, you know, I think that is definitely coming back. I feel like also too, if you watch like three minutes of a Gossip Girl episode, you're probably going to see that like a hundred times.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. The
2: other really iconic sock moment that you called out that took me a beat, but then I was like, oh, this is so genius is Red Hot Chili Peppers with Flea and his single sock.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Which is an alternate use yeah it is it is <laughs> as we were talking about alternate uses earlier, I'm like, eh, like I'm pretty sure some other people are thinking of the alternate <laughs> use that's inevitably going to come up on this call. yeah, um, but it was really interesting doing that because as I was thinking of these you know world renowned kind of socks, red hot chili peppers immediately came to mind because, like you know, that was happening when I was like, a, a child of well, some, it, it's
2: an age some where age. it's particularly scandalous, and you're never going to forget it. Like it's the type of thing where if you consume that content, that image as an adult, when you're used to more adult content, it's not going to have the same lasting impression as it will when you're
0: right.
2: ten or whatever. And it's a really big deal,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and we it's a really big deal. we there was a lot of debate about how we were going to... How and if we were going to have that illustrated in the book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was the most heated debate about socks, <laughs> a single sock that I've ever gotten into in my life. Um, So, you know, but you know, it was a big cultural shift. And I think yeah. like, again, it's so funny to think that socks have had such an effect on pop culture in like so many ways.
0: It's true. It's totally true. John, before when you were saying that this kind of fell into your lap and it's been such a gift... I hear what you're saying but I think also you've done so many things in your career and as side projects and as creative pursuits that have very much set you up for this and made you a name that someone would be like, "Oh, John should do this." Obviously. Can you can you talk us through some of your creative projects?
1: Yes. Um, okay, can. so um, let's
0: tell us about Textbook, which is like the first one that I think Claire and I would have become aware of in the like very early uh, most important days of Tumblr.
1: Yeah. I mean Tumblr. I mean, what do you, what can you say about those days? But so textbook was sort of like the first. That was the first creative project where I was just like, "This is something I want to do. No one's willing to pay me to do this. Like, I can't make this my job right now, but I want to do it, and so I'm going to." And you know, the the job that I had in mind at that time was writing. And this was in. I think I started textbook in 2000 and. Nine or 10. It was like, it was that time. And this was also at the time where like personal style blogs were becoming really popular. And I like, you know, personal style blogs were the precursor to, I guess, influencer culture as far as fashion is concerned in a really big way. And I knew that was something that I didn't feel comfortable doing. And it just didn't make sense for me. So I was like, okay. That's not something I can crack into, but I want to write about style and fashion. And then, then I kind of had this idea that I'd just been marinating. And it was like, what if I could write about like what a character or a person from history or literature or film would wear like today? Like if you saw them walking down the street. And it was a really fun thing to think about because, you know, when you read a book or even if someone's telling you a story or you're like learning about history, you form these images of these people in your head. And though I love movies forever and watch movies more than any other, more than I consume any other type of like media, it always kind of shatters the vision. Instantly that person becomes who it is in the movie because your mind just, it's tough to differentiate the two. So I was like, all right, I will figure out how to do this. And this was also in the days of like style.com, which covered runway shows like relentlessly. And, you know, Vogue Runway does that now. But I was like, all right, I can write about this and I can write about the character and my thoughts. How can I make it come to life visually? And because (laughs) runway shows, are one especially back then, were one body type. And then you go into Photoshop and you essentially like stencil them out, paste them all together. And when you layer everything on top of each other, it looks like one complete single person. I'm still not sure how I actually did it. It was insanely time consuming. Yeah, it sounds incredibly
2: time consuming.
1: But every time I try and do it, like, I don't have the same chutzpah I did when I was like 22. Like, who does? Oh my God.
2: But here's what's interesting it, chutzpah, I don't know, but you do manage to find a lot of time to do side projects. And I'm so interested in this because you have a full time job. You seem Mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time on the internet just based on like your social media activity. How are you finding time to do all of these side projects that you do? So, to list them off, you, you're like primary one right now is Janusi's Cookies, and one probably a lot of people know you through, where you're selling batches of cookies, homemade every cookies. week that you make yeah, at week. your house. Yeah. You're, doing, okay. you're doing dance compilations um, where uh, are, yeah.
0: <laughs> you're, you forgot. Um, you have forgot that that's one of your creative (laughs) pursuits.
1: I know. I actually started working on a new one this morning. I was like, I saw
0: (laughs) you
2: have an occasional newsletter called Janews. You can use, um, you, oh, claim, yeah. you claim not to be behind, have been behind Condé Elevator. However, it's not surprising that people thought it was you because again, who has the time except you
0: <laughs>
1: and you were working at Condé
0: Nast during that period of time.
1: Right. And that um, was at the height of my like snark tweeting.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. So how are you finding the time
2: to do these things? Or I mean, whatever, we could all find the time, right? Like, How are you thinking about managing your time and carving out the time to do these things?
1: You know, it's really hard because I have the type of personality, it's where like, I love doing all of these things and I am so unwilling to give any of them up. Mm -hmm. But obviously the more you do, the less you can accomplish, if that makes sense. Um, So I, I do keep very weird hours, you know, this is somewhat changed with like the lockdown and everything, but, you know, normally I'm, I wake up at like, Four thirty in the morning, and I spend like an hour, you know, getting ready for the day or like starting creative projects. And then at five thirty, I would go to the gym and like work out for a while. And then I would have this block of time when I would get home from the gym between when I had to get ready for my job. And that like hour and a half or two hours was always like that's my creative project time. Like this is when, you know, I'm not checking work email and I can focus on whatever I want to focus on. And sometimes that was like, uh, we need to like rethink packaging for the cookies, or like I don't like the way the boxes are being done, and like I need to create a new recipe. Um, and then sometimes that would be like, I really want to do this dance compilation, which like, for anyone listening who hasn't seen them, it's basically you know cuts of different dance scenes from movies to like a really popular song. And I, you know, I they and they're so those good. are also thank you very much. I mean they are painstaking, but I've been doing. That kind of like film editing since i was like in college just like for fun like i'd always do it for like friends birthdays with mm-hmm. like photos and stuff and then it just became this thing and then sometimes that hour and a half or two hours in the morning i would be like so toasted that i would just toast, <laughs> toasted from being tired not like i yeah. was <laughs> um i would i'll just sit and look at reddit or tiktok for two yeah. hours and it's like i get a lot of fulfillment out of that time to focus on whatever I want to focus on. Um, I'm also really fortunate in that, like, it's just me and Alex here in our apartment and she's, she sleeps, you know, later than I do. So that time is always basically just me. And that's when I get a lot of that done. But, you know, the cookies, that is a weekend, an all weekend thing. So, you know, we sell the cookies every Sunday night at 8 p.m., but we have to make the dough on Saturday because the dough has to chill overnight to like, to be the way that I want it to be mm-hmm. doesn't have to, but like I like it to. So, you know, Saturday mornings I will wake up. I will try and take like a long walk to like clear my head. like go on the West side highway or something. Um, Obviously, in these times I'm wearing a mask and I'm keeping my distance, but also in these times I haven't left my apartment in 12 days. So it's <laughs> just <I was laughs> counting. Um <laughs> but yeah, I will wake up on Saturday morning, make the dough, and we have these big tubs. I'm
0: making your larger than your head, are yeah. This
1: big <laughs> and you know, that takes up a bunch of hours on Saturday. And then whatever leftover time I have on the weekend, I try and you up with those projects or honestly I will sit and play video games again for me it really is about like just creating the time because one I know at a point where if we have a child or something changes with work I won't have that time um and then Sundays it's the same thing it's wake up early then it's a marathon of baking and then it's it's one thing to bake the cookies but then you have to you know they have to cool and then you have to put you have to label the bags And then you have to, you know, the cookies go in the bags and then the cookies get wrapped up. And then there's the whole packaging and like the stress of the eight o'clock cookie drop on Sunday nights. Like obviously Sunday scaries is a very real thing for us. It comes so much earlier because I get so tense and it drives Alex crazy because she's trying to have this lovely Sunday evening. And I'm just like sitting there, like all tense and being like, and you guys, you guys know, like running a website that has e-commerce is an incredibly stressful thing, even, even if it's just for a moment. So you're like, you know, and then there's customer service that comes into it. Cause someone's like, oh, I actually wanted this flavor or my address is wrong. Or, you know, you know, are there nuts like all of these different things. Um, and I don't know if you guys follow Amanda Mole on Twitter yeah. Yeah. or social media for anyone who doesn't know who she is. She's a... Incredible writer, and like some, I would say like prolific on social media. Yeah. Like, and um,
2: has just been writing really excellent pieces since she's been at the Atlantic about consumer culture and retail in general.
1: Yes. Like, a talent, like by any stretch. Like, yeah. She's just so, so talented. Anyway, someone posed a similar question to her once about like how she does all the things she does. And her answer stuck with me so much because she basically said, I am willing to feel a little bit bad all of the time until I can't take it anymore. Hmm. And it does not sound great, but (laughs) it is, I'd say the state I'm in is this sort of like, I don't ever feel a hundred percent all of the time. And I'm going to keep grinding as long as I can until something gives. And that's something that gives could be, the cookie company blows up and I simply don't need to work on other things or the passion for something fades and something else happens. Um, it's also speaks to a greater thing. I think of our generation, which is this whole like grind till you can't Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like it's really unfortunate that for a lot of, people. And like, I'm super privileged to be able to have all these opportunities. And I've been really fortunate in that they've all been successful to varying degrees. Like nothing Mm -hmm. has like flat out failed, but it goes back to that thing of like, I'm not willing to give any of this up. And I also don't know how Hmm. (laughs) because you just get so used to it. Like, um,
2: but I also think by the way, like you saying, none of them have failed. I think that's because of the approach you've taken to them, which is a very, like, I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this for fun, where as a different type of personality might set parameters around or expectations around these projects that would set them up for what they would consider to be failure, right? Like if you had said, like, I'm starting Januzzi's Cookies and I'm expecting it to scale to so big that I can quit my job in a year and this is going to be my full-time thing. And then that didn't happen, you'd say it was a failure. But I think your approach to these things is truly one of like a creative hobby that you're doing for yourself. And it comes across in the product and it comes across in the way you present them. I think it's a lot about how you frame it, whether or not it's a success.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, that's very super flattering and very kind of you to say it as well. But I think also too that like people can be very, very hard on themselves. It's so much easier to be hard on yourself than it is to be kind to yourself. And I think that like another person I really love to follow on social media is Mary HK Choi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's an author. She has two books, emergency contact and permanent record. Both amazing.
0: She was a podcast guest also.
1: She, all, she has an incredible podcast voice. I will also yes say. Yes, she does. Like her us. micropod on Spotify. Yeah. If I'm ever like stressed, I'm just like, I need, I need, I need her wisdom and her voice. But, <laughs> She also, I mean, one of the things that she really champions is to be gentle with yourself. And that means that like, you know, you have to cut yourself some slack and like, do I want our cookie business to be like a runaway hit and America's favorite cookie and like in grocery stores everywhere. And then I can like take a bath and like gold coins. I would love that. Um, I've wanted that since I watched, you know, DuckTales, but just because you don't get to a certain level or something doesn't work out doesn't mean it's not a success. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm also tired all the time.
0: (laughs) Do you at any point begrudge these projects that you've made for
1: yourself? Sometimes, sometimes I do, but it's always, I'm sure that you guys have had this feeling as well. I I mean, I feel like we've had a lot of common experiences and like the projects that we've worked on and it's like, you begrudge them in the moment. Like, So we make these cookies in our apartment and we don't have a full size oven. We have a small oven. So you know, when we first started doing cookies, we could only bake twelve at a time. We got some bigger cookie sheets, so we we upped that number slightly. But we still have to It's a lot Yeah. And it's like it's a lot of in the oven, out of the oven. And they don't bake for that long. So the second you get one in the oven, you sit down, you get another tray ready, you gotta get the other one. And you know, when I pull the cookie tray out of the oven. And it's a burned batch or something went wrong or they spread too much. I just want to like, one, I want to eat all of it because (laughs) I'm like, I can't sell these, but I can (laughs) eat them. I'm just like, why am I doing this? This is such a waste. And for us, one loss,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) the cookies are already burned. Might as well set fire to the whole place. (laughs) Um, It's easy to begrudge these things in that moment. Um, Especially when like, you know, this is our home It's become so many different things over the past few years. And those moments suck. And you're like, why am I doing this? Why can't I just have a single job and survive, which is a greater conversation I can't get into right now about the economy (laughs) and like the cost of living. But after that, and after I've probably had like a drink and, you know, the cookies sell out or someone messages me. About like how much they enjoyed them. Like we got this incredible message from this guy yesterday who like he was having a really bad couple of months and like he promised himself he was gonna get the cookies when he turned things around and he did turn things around for himself. And it was just like the cookies were this punctuation of that moment in his life. And it was truly like, you know, we're in here like flying around, throwing burned cookies at each other, we're screaming at each other, I don't like the way the boxes look, but this guy is you know, we can create that moment for him and he feels close enough with us to share it. Yeah. That's like the begrudging goes away instantly.
0: So how do you decide something's ready to share publicly?
1: I think, all right. So for this for this question, one of the things that I get so apprehensive about sharing publicly are those dance compilation videos. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, when it's at a point where I can watch it and be like really excited about it, or if it's a cookie, if I eat it and I like the flavor, like all of these things, like if I feel personally satisfied with it, then I think it's in a good place. And then I will have Alex. And for everyone listening, Alex is my girlfriend. We've been together for like since like the dawn of time. Um not really, like <laughs> four years since um, the duration
0: of high school. That's a long time. Yeah.
1: It is. It's a formative. It's a formative chunk of time.
0: It, it, it is for sure.
1: My God, has it been formative? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, then I will, you know, she'll, she'll take a look at something and she has zero problem being a critic, which, you know, one thing that I really admire about, you know, her and I really respect, she also knows that if she criticizes anything I do, I will immediately just be like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then I will watch it again. I'll be like, oh, you know what? She's what right. she's like, talking
0: about. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The last time we did um, a dance compilation thing, she watched the end and she was like, that's not it. That's not the right ending. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is the perfect ending. And she was like, no, it's not. And then she went to run an errand or something. And I was just sitting here at my computer stewing It's just like being like, no, this is it. It's right. And then, you know, she was completely right. And, you know, I found the other footage. So Alex generally looks at everything that I do or create before it goes public. Nothing that she's the only person who I trust with that. Like I always ask other people. Um, I also am intensely paranoid about reactions, only because sometimes I've seen extremely averse reactions to things that I've written or done or said. And also because now there's a very real possibility that something you say or do can go massively viral. And yeah. you know, it can be anything from like an inside joke with a friend that makes zero sense and is wildly <laughs> offensive out of context to like a truly problematic statement or opinion. And you know, that is something I'm I always want to make sure that one, I'm not I'm coming from a place that's Supportive of as many people as I can be. And, like, that's generally not a problem for me because I make cookies and dance music videos sometimes. <laughs> um, and, and,
2: but listen, I think what we've seen recently is that neither of those things are immune to interpretation or people interpreting them in offensive ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right to be thinking about it in that way.
0: The one last question I had for you, John, is for someone who has something that's kind of like been brewing for a while, but they've been, I don't know, like trepidatious about jumping in. What advice do you have on just like going for something and like putting yourself out there?
1: So it's really, it's really hard. If you're satisfied with something and you think it's up to your standards, chances are it's up to other people's standards because no one holds themselves to a higher standard than themselves.
0: Love that.
2: John, thank you so much for for coming on. We are so excited about all of your projects. Such fans over here.
1: Thank you guys. This was so much fun.
2: What's the best place for people to find you on the internet?
1: (laughs) Oh. uh... You're
2: like, I'm so many places.
1: (laughs) I would say the most common place you'll find me is probably Twitter. Um, And then after that, it's Instagram.
2: And you're John Genuzzi on both platforms. Yes. Two N's, two Z's.
1: Two N's and two Z's.
0: Um, all right. That's the show. Hi there. My name is Caitlin and I love, love your podcast. I listen to it religiously for many years.
2: <laughs> um, and I've always wanted to call and leave you a voicemail. And so I'm leaving you a voicemail now. And I just listened to your egg episode. And I also am a avid egg consumer, And my newest favorite, favorite thing in the whole world is the perfect um, boiled egg, which was um, Jake uh, Kenji Lopez's first recipe when he joined New York Times Cooking recently. And it's a method of steaming eggs where you just use about an inch, inch and a half of water, depending on how many eggs, and they peel
0: like a dream. It is, like, life-changing, and I highly recommend it. And, Yeah keep on um, in those Thanks. Bye. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at com.